As most of you know, we are very involved with the uh, schools here in Durham, not only the colleges and universities, but also the high schools. We get an opportunity to visit the high schools. We talk and pray with the principals and the teachers. There are times when we go on the campus of the, of the schools and we, of course, we call the principal and let him know or them know, her know what we're going to be doing. And we walk that campus. I'm talking about the Durham ministers in prayer. And we pray over that. And we've heard testimonies, even from Riverside right here where we've walked. And we hear testimonies of what God is doing in their lives and how God is moving. And uh, <clears throat> we've seen some wonderful things happen. For instance, at Central, there's the, uh, the leadership there is just really uh, dedicated and committed to the Lord. And uh, we thank God for that. And we've had the opportunity to pray with the, with the chancellor there. She's a dedicated Christian. And then to have Dr. Loam to come here and to say that he believes that God has sent him here uh, for, for such a time as this. And, uh, and then with uh, Dr. Powers at Duke and others that we have joined with. We've been in their offices. We'd, we've been on the campus and we've prayed with them. And, uh, and, and we've been praying for over 16 years that God would move in these areas. And, and we spend a lot of time praying for our schools, for our uh, leaders, and also for our police department. We spend much time in prayer for our police departments, uh, department and, and those that's in charge there. So we encourage you, if you would, to call on God. These, it's very important that we call on God for these individuals. And I really, again, appreciate the prayers. If you do not have an outline of the uh, sermon today, please raise your hand. We want everyone to have an outline. Brother Steve will make sure you get one. This is a very important uh, study. And uh, we began this last uh, Sunday, and I'll be on it maybe this Sunday and whenever the Lord will, and wherever the Lord will lead us. What I want to see today is successful marriages. Because as marriages, as homes go, as families go, so goes our nation. And it is very, very important that we understand our relationship. And you say, Pastor, I'm not married. I'm never going to get married. Why are you preaching this on Sunday morning. Well, let me say it's important that we have good relationships, no matter if it's a wife, husband, parent, child, co-worker, or brother and sister of the Lord in the church. So this applies to everyone, and uh, we want to be able to, to, to do that. And if you'll notice, uh, it's what we're on today is conflict and marriage. There's not a one of us that does not know uh, and has not experienced conflicts, arguments, tensions in the home. And uh, you'll notice the introduction. Everyone knows what it is to have arguments, conflicts, fussing, pressure, and disagreements in the marriage relationship. What causes them, what we can do about them. Today, I want to look at what causes the conflicts. We'll look at 12 of those. Lord willing, next Sunday I want to deal with 10 steps in how to deal with those conflicts. It's one thing to know what causes it. It's something else to know how to deal with it, to have the answer. And you know the song that Andre Crouch wrote years ago, Jesus is the answer for the world today. 
I had one person to tell me, you so simplify that. Uh, but that, that, that is the truth. He is the answer. It's one thing we need to know the answers to our problems. For instance, if we're having financial struggles, someone said, well, the answer is to, is to have more money. Did you know that often the answer is not more money? A lot of people that are struggling financially, and they, they think if I could just get a raise, maybe another job, if I won the lottery. I'm here to tell you that's not the answer to your financial problems. And it's important that we know that. It's one thing to know that we have problems in our relationships. It's something else to know how to solve those problems. What to do about them. What to do about it. What is the answer? Well, one thing about finances is how you manage your money. Not how much money you make, it's how you manage your money. Because a lot of people make a lot of money, but they're not happy. Robin Williams had it all, but he had nothing. He made millions and millions of people laugh, but he on the inside was miserable himself. So it's one thing to have money, it's something else to know how to handle that money and to be financially free and financial, financially blessed. Of course, we believe in tithing here. I, uh, I, I learned so much from Ed Cole. He's passed on now. and He spoke at our convention about 20 years ago and uh, he had a, a, a national men's ministry. And something that he, he said that stuck in my mind. He said, when I knowingly disobey God and I ask God to bless me, that is tempting God. For instance, if you know to pay tithe and you don't pay tithe and then you ask God to bless you, you are tempting God. Now, pastor, that's hard, but that's true. And uh, we say, well, I can't afford to pay tithe. You can't afford not to pay tithe and give to God. And uh, so we, we need to know the answer. We need to know what the answer is to our problems. What will solve the conflicts in our relationships? Somebody said, Pastor, I would like for you to preach a spiritual message on Sunday morning. Let me tell you, uh, Brother Larry has already mentioned this. That I want to I just say more about Wednesday night. Wednesday night is it's the most it that hour from seven to eight is the most complete in my mind complete hour in the week. We come we we have a song and then we have about thirty five minutes of teaching and uh, and then we have ministry around this altar. If if you need anything from God, if you want folks to agree with you in prayer concerning any particular issue in your life. Uh, there is a freedom here. Now, I'm not saying there's not a freedom on Sunday morning, but there is a tremendous anointing in this church on Wednesday night. The water's troubled on Wednesday night. Get in it. And that's not just a ploy to get you to come on Wednesday night. I'm saying that there is something here on Wednesday night that you will, you will be so lifted up and so blessed you, 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 you just really enjoy. So if you want something spiritual, you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you can on Sunday morning, then come on Wednesday night and join. Do what I used to say, hit the altar. 
I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about get in the altar and pray and seek, seek the Lord and have other people to pray with you and join with you in prayer. So everyone knows what it is to have arguments, conflicts, fuss and pressure and disagreements. What causes them? What can I do about them? I can't tell all the causes. In fact, 12 is, there's certainly a lot more than 12 or more than 12. But I can give some spiritual reasons for many of them. And if we know the causes and the cure for them, we can put up our defense and we can certainly grow spiritually. And so my goal and the reason that I'm sharing this today is that we can know why we have the conflicts. We know what to do about those conflicts. Why is the, 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 the fussing? Why is there so much anger? Now, I'm going to read some verses of Scripture. Many of them is found in the uh, wise man's book, Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12, verses 15, uh, chapter 15, I'm sorry, verses 1 and 2. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs, stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of the fools, fools pours forth foolishness. Now, most of these Proverbs that I will read are speaking of self-control. And it is important that we understand that, self-control. Now, Father, as we break the bread of life, as we sow this seed, we ask you to speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to honor Jesus this morning. May it be nothing but Jesus Christ and what he's done and what he will do, not only in our nation, but also in our world today. Amen. So, so many arguments, many uh, conflicts either are stirred up or they're diffused by our words. One of the best things to do is to learn to not speak at certain times, is to keep your, your mouth closed, so to speak. 1518, a wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allies contention. Now, I want to ask you something. Are you hot-tempered? You need to deal with it, especially the guys, but ladies too, no matter. If you're, if you, if you're, if you're quick to be easily irritated or to get angry, and if we're not careful, a lot of times when we get angry, angry, we're just itching to have a fight. And we need to know that's not the best way to go. 1632, he who is slow to anger is better than. Say better than. There's a lot of better thans in Proverbs. I want to be a better than. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Self-discipline is important. Learning to control yourself. Someone said, I just flew off the handle. First place you don't have a handle to fly off of. Don't get angry. The Bible says if we get angry, for it's not the sin, we'll get to that one. The, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Here we have self-control 
versus impatience. Are you a person that is impatient? I don't pray for patience. Because God can help you to be patient. You may not like it though. I want to learn to be patient. It's important that we learn to be patient. 2119, better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. In fact, in that same chapter, it says it's better to be on the uh, rooftop, the corner of the rooftop, than in with an angry woman. You say, well, what is that all about? Well, stay out of the kitchen if it gets hot, you know, yeah. In other words, wait till that anger, whether it's the woman or the man, subsides. Don't try to discuss, don't try to solve a problem when there's so much anger by either one. This is God's word. It is very important. Anger man, angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgressions. It is important. And I'm here to tell you as one that fought anger for many years that it controlled my life. That it is important to learn not to allow that anger to control you and to dictate to you. Colossians, but now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Uh, And then Ephesians 4, this is that verse 26. Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Get, it, get, get the problem settled, whether it's between a brother or a sister at church or a co-worker, if you possibly can, and especially with your, with your mate, your husband or wife. It is important to get that thing under the blood, to get it all worked out. It's a terrible thing to go to bed seething. You toss and turn and you're angry and you can't sleep. Your food don't digest well. You say, how do you know? Well, I know. (laughs) I love these verses in James. James 4, 1 through 3. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? That war in your members you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasure. So I believe what James and what God's word is telling us, that the source of contention, listen to this, is selfishness. The source of contention is everyone wants. Listen, we're asking, when a guy marries a gal, if he's not careful, he's wanting to know, what can I get out of her? What can she give me? Same way, ladies. What can he provide for me? What can he give me? We need to enter that relationship saying, what can I give to him or what can I give to her? I'm going to be a servant to my maid. In fact, church attendance is the same way. If we go to church on Sunday morning simply asking, what am I going to get out of that service? Or if I become a member, if I take the Genesis class and I become a member, what am I going to get out of that church? 
We need to join the church saying, what am I going to give to the church? I want to be a servant. Jesus Christ was the greatest example of being a servant. And I want to challenge us with our mindset. Wouldn't this, wouldn't this nation be a better nation if we could ask, what can I give? In fact, someone said that. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Don't ask what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for your church. John F. Kennedy would be proud of you. It's important that we enter into a relationship saying, what can we give? We want to give. I talk about submission. talked about it last Sunday. Submission. And a lot of men enter into a marriage relationship thinking, hey, the Bible says for that woman to submit unto me. Submission is just as much on the man's shoulders as it is on the woman's shoulders. If you look at verse 21 and verse 22 of, of Ephesians 5. In fact, if you want to know how to have a relationship, a, a good marriage relationship, a fulfilled marriage relationship, you read chapter 5 of Ephesians. In fact, just a few verses there. Everything that you need to know what and what not to do is there. Of course, you can go out from there and there's much in the Bible about it. Submission. Submission is when I can trust you. God's called the man to be the leader in the home. Leadership. And submission is submitting to a leadership that can be trusted. That's a good place to say amen right there. And if we're not providing leadership as men, then the, la- the, the, the wife is certainly not wanting to submit to a leadership that is not biblical and that is not spiritual. It's a trust. You say, well, I'm going to be the leader in the home, okay? You know what he's talking about being the leader in the home? He's talking about providing spiritually, providing financially, providing for that wife and those children emotionally. It's important. And leadership, lordship, this is important, is earned. It's because you wear pants, guys, don't mean that you're going to be a leader. And it doesn't mean you're going to be a dictator. I crack the whip and she jumps. You'll find out. She'll take that whip away from you and knock you on the head. Maybe not physically. It's important. Hollywood's not going to teach you how to have a good relationship. In fact, they're just the opposite. All the movies and sitcoms that you see, sitcom sewage when it comes to marriage. It's important that we learn these things and we, 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 we understand what uh, uh, submission is all about. It's a selfish submission. It's, it's submission that is by practiced by not just the, 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 the wife or the mother. It's submission that's practiced by the entire family. And this is very important. Let's look at some things that cause conflict. Next Sunday, we're going to deal with the answer to this. Ten of them. First of all, weariness. 
There's not a person that don't understand or shouldn't understand. When you get tired, if you're not careful, you set yourself up for an argument within the relationship. How many of you remember the story of Elijah when Elijah got tired and he ran from Jezebel and he sat under a tree wanting to die? He was so discouraged. He was tired. He was weary. He was worn out. And there's something about taking care of our bodies that are very important. And there's something about understanding when you get tired physically, if you're not careful, it sets you up for an argument. That's the reason Jesus told his disciples, hey guys, let's come aside for a little while. In fact, the word there in the King James is come apart. You either come apart or you will come apart. And it's important that you rest, that the body gets the amount of rest that it needs. And, and we, must, we must certainly uh, understand that. The scripture abounds with instructions, with warnings, and illustrations concerning weariness. Everyday living creates weariness. You get tired. And wise is a man, wise is a woman that understands, hey, this is not a good time to discuss certain things. Let's rest. Number two, discouragement. We're much more susceptible to difficulties and arguments and uh, fusses when we get discouraged. You know, God told Joshua, he said to Joshua, he said in, in Joshua 1, you remember this story? And I know you do. Be encouraged. Because when a wife or a husband, when they become discouraged, the atmosphere is set for an argument. You go in and you find yourself discouraged. The children of Israel fussed and they fought against God. Because they were discouraged. And so wise is the man that understands that. Wise is the woman. Whatever has caused that discouragement. Whatever has created that kind of atmosphere. You want to know that. And you want to deal with that in that area at that particular time. Number three, Satan. You know, if ever there was a time that the devil, Satan. There is a devil. He has set himself up to destroy the home today. Now, everything that happens, we can't say the devil made me do it or it's the devil. We know that he's the ultimate source. But I believe the enemy, Satan himself, sets the stage for us to have an argument. And wise is that person. Wise is that person. I was listening to David Jeremiah this morning. He was telling about how that Peter rebuked Jesus. You remember that story? How that uh, Jesus said he must die. He asked them first of all who he was or who they thought he was and, and they, or who he was. And then some thought he was Elijah. Some thought, but, but Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus began to talk about him dying and and Peter said, oh, he took him to the side and, and said, hey, you can't talk like this. You, you can't talk about dying. You're losing out with the disciples, with your followers. And then he says, then the Bible says he turned 
and looked at the people. He didn't, he didn't say this to Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. There was a couple that sang for us, Dick and Shirley. Remember them very well, Dick and Shirley. He played the guitar and just wonderful couple. Sung for Carol's dad years ago. And they told this story how that they, and they loved God. Both of, both of them loved the Lord. And how that they, each day that they would, they would get into an argument and fuss. And it began to, to just mushroom on them. And, and then one night in the kitchen, they both were working in the kitchen. And, and one of them said, I wish you wouldn't say that. And the other one said, I, I, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. And then the other one would say, I wish you hadn't said that. I didn't say that. You know what that was? That was a spirit of dissension, a spirit of the devil trying to set them up for an argument. And I'll get to communication in in just a moment, but it's important that we communicate well. You know, he communicated, I told her, I told him. Well, how did you tell him? Was your body language saying one thing and your voice saying something else? It's important. But Dick and Shirley, they said, and they, they realized standing in that kitchen that the enemy, that Satan, had set them up to separate them and cause them to fuss every night. And they both began to pray together. And guess what happened? God healed their relationship. And, and, and that thing left the house. And you just have to take authority over the devil. The devil will set you up to destroy your relationship. Number four, spiritual backsliding or guilt complex or condemnation. Both are Christians. One becomes cold and different. Their prayer life is not what it was. They're not reading their Bible. They, 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 they spiritually are backsliding, getting cold. And there's not a person here, if you've ever gone through that, and probably all of us have gone through that at one time, that you don't, you don't feel condemned. You feel bad. You know you know you, you should pray. You know you should read your Bible. You know you should go to church and all of these things. And, but, but you just seem to do this with God. God seems distant. Whether it's the husband or the wife, that spiritual backsliding was set up in that home. Trouble. In fact, some will deliberately do something just to start an argument. I'm not saying anyone here would do that. I'm not saying you would do that. But we need to understand, when we start getting away from God, it affects our marriage. It affects our home and that spiritual backsliding. Look at what I have. The moment we very deliberately fail God, then under condemnation, we're all set for a fight. I want that to sink in because I think it's very important. 
Now, that's not for the other mate to say, honey, you need to go pray, or you need to get right with God, or they don't need preaching at at that time, but you need to understand what's going on in that person's mind and in that person's relationship with God and understand it can have an overlapping effect on the marriage, what's going on spiritual, spiritually in that person's life. Number four, I mean, number five, financial pressure. It's the number two cause for divorce. The number two cause. I think it's moved into number one, but I don't know. That was years ago when I, uh, when I, when I started writing this, which was, this was 35 years ago. Now you know why Carol and I have been married 50 years. Because I've tried, I've failed sometimes. I've tried to abide by these principles. And most of them, or many of them, came from Paul Paino, pastor of a large church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. These principles are very, very important. Financial pressure. What was it? Some people buy things that they don't need, that they can't pay for to impress people they don't even like. We stay in debt. I want to encourage you. Get out of debt. I came down this week and some of the families was in one of the rooms studying on finances. How not to be in debt. That puts more pressure on you. Honey, you should not have bought this. Why did you buy that? Why did you spend money here? Okay, we're going to keep our own separate account. And that may work for some people. I I don't doubt that. But finances can, if we're not careful, destroy a relationship more and more or more than they can make or can pay off. And we could talk a lot about financial debt. You know how much debt America's in? How much we owe? Over $17 trillion. You know how much the interest is on $17 trillion? Just the interest. Anyone want to take a wild guess? $19 billion a month. That staggers your mind. Just the debt. The only thing larger than that 19 billion interest is one other budget item. 19 billion dollars. And you know America's, you know what those guys in Washington, you know their answer for it? Make more money, print more money, spend more money. If you spend more, you can, in their mind, let me get off of that because it makes me angry to think about this country being in $19 trillion worth of debt. And we'll never pay it off. And, when, and let me tell you, when the house of cards starts falling, look out. That's the reason it's important that we get out of debt and that we stay out of debt. Sickness. Sickness. I was sitting in the waiting room for Carol when she was having her treatments and the nurse came out to get her and she looked and she saw me and she, she was surprised. 
And she asked Carol, she said, wow, your husband's here. She said, yeah, I'm there about every time. She said, that surprises me. Most, not most, but many of the husbands, when they find out their wife has breast cancer, they leave. Sickness will put a strain on the marriage relationship. It's good to understand that God Almighty is able to give us security, patience, long-suffering. But let's not talk about just terminal illness right now. And praise God, she's doing good and she doesn't have a terminal sickness. But let's, let's talk about just sickness. Let's say, let's say the wife or the husband comes home and he don't feel good, she don't feel good. Understand that because that sickness can set us up for an argument. It can set us up. Even a legitimate headache or cold can create an atmosphere for an argument. Now, maybe some of you here today, you don't argue. I don't know. It's husband and wife. I, I don't know. I had a couple down in Midway, as you know, I attended Midway Church down in Sampson County. And uh, we had this wonderful couple down. He's a big fellow. He walked on the tip of his toes like this. He, he, he just was just an unusual guy. And uh, we had a lot of testimonies back then. And he would always say, my wife and I never argue. I thought myself, heaven, my, my goodness. You won't know them. I'll give his last, their last names. I remember it. Spells, the spells. He ran a refrigerator company. He had his own company. My wife and I never argued. I left from down there, moved up here. It wasn't long I heard they separated and divorced. And you, you, you remember them. We need this. We need to understand why we argue, why things crop up. Because the devil will weaken us spiritually if we allow these things to seethe in our home and to be prevalent in our home. And we can deal with it. We don't have to be that way. There are so many marriages that husbands and wives live together that that relationship is not fulfilled. Wow. They just exist together. Don't even want to go home. My wife and I, we enjoy each other. We love each other. And it's good and important to have a wife and a husband and a relationship that you love to go home. You love being around. Because you younger folks that have that has children and you put all your time in those children... You better have a relationship between you two because one day they're going to they're be gone. And guess who's going to be left? The emptiness is bad enough when, you, when the husband and wife have a good relationship, let alone when they're gone, when they, when they move out. You say, you walk in their bedroom and they've gone to school and you stand there and tears start coming down. My daughter, Felicia, just took Hannah to UNC Charlotte and said, I didn't think I'd have a problem. She cried all day when she left her. 
It's important that you have a good relationship between the wife. The parent-child relationship should never be stronger than the husband-wife relationship. And for many couples, and a lot of men get angry. When they get married, that wife, she'll comb his hair and rub his back and, and, and cater to him and love him and all of these things. Let that child come along and he is a forgotten person. And she's dead tired and he tosses and tumbles and tosses and tumbles and she don't care. But you let that baby whimper or move into the bassinet or, the, or the, in the other room and she pops out of bed and, she's, and he's jealous of his own child. He gets mad enough to bite a ten-penny nail in two. It's important. It's important that that husband and wife relationship is stronger than the parent-child relationship. And just takes, it just takes a few adjustments. Sometimes it is hard. You need to understand why she's acting like that she's acting. The emotional life cycle. Men and women have their ups and their downs and both have their life cycles. Now, I don't understand all that and I'm not going to go any further than there. But I'm here to tell you why is a, it's a couple that understands that happens. And there are just certain times that you need to know. Right now, you just not walk on eggshells. Egg I'm not talking about that. Right now, we need wisdom in dealing with certain things in the home. It's important. Fear. Now, this is not often expressed, but fear of rejection, fear of failure. One of the things I dealt with as a young man when I looked to get married, I thought to myself, I don't know if I can have a job and support my wife. Fifty years ago, the man was expected to support the wife, not the wife support her husband. It was. Fear about a lot of things. And that wife, that husband needs to deal with that spirit of fear and get it out of their lives and their homes. I'm afraid. I'm afraid I can't measure up to him. I'm afraid I can't measure up to her. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Kick fear out. Don't don't allow it to rule. Poor communications. We can think a lot of words. Many more words than we can speak. And a lot of times when we're having a conversation, we think we said that when we didn't say it at all. Or we say it and it just comes out the wrong way. And we think we can, we can run the other person down. We can say all the things we want to about him, about her. her and all we got to do is say, honey, I'm sorry. And they forgive and they do. And you go on. But you can't keep going there. It's important. It's important. Number 10, lack of attention or a deep desire for it. A lot of women, a lot of women, the husband, he's busy, he talks to the guys, 
He laughs. And he comes home and he sits in his chair and gets his remote and he sits there and he doesn't communicate to her and she feels left out. You want some spiritual preaching? That's good. Lack of attention. About the only time he's nice to her is on the way to the bedroom. What did he get quiet? I just, I just, wow. (laughs) It's awful quiet. But it's the truth. And I'll be dealing with that on the Sunday night to all the marriage couples. Nothing happens. I want to deal with the physical relationship in marriage with no one else but just married couples. Let me tell you, God created that physical relationship in marriage. And we'll deal with it. And there's some very, listen to this. Don't turn me off. Don't, don't shut me off. There's some very important principles when it comes to a physical relationship in marriage. But that wife, and as I said a while ago, she, she, wants, she wants attention. She wants all she needs. And you know what? There are two basic needs in every, every man's life, too. And there are two basic needs in every woman's life, too. Of all the teaching I'll teach, they're the, that's one of the most important, they're the most important principles to know. Two. Two in every woman's. And did you know this? The only person, the only person that can provide that woman with those two basic needs is her husband. Not another man, not a job, not children, nothing else but her husband. The two basic needs in every man's life, another woman is not going to satisfy those basic needs. No. Another, a job, money, nothing is going to satisfy those two basic needs in that man's life except his wife. And this, this is beautiful. And the same relation between husband and wife is Jesus Christ and the church. Wow. Wow. It works. The thing about it, if you want to solve a problem, if you want to solve a problem, find the answer because it works. The Bible works. It's too old-fashioned. It's too outdated. Oh, no, it's not. The Bible principles work. They work for a nation. They work for an individual. And they certainly work for a marriage relationship. Wow. It works. Lack of consideration for the others. The others' feelings. We fuss and argue and don't have the, the, the care for that mate's feelings. I'm going to change her. Listen, if you're dating... And you're dating someone and he's got ways that you don't like. And you think you're going to change him when you get married. He will change, but for the worse. Someone says, well, I have a wife and there's so many things about her I don't like. There's not a one of us that probably don't have a mate that there are things that we would like to change. John Maxwell says you can change no one through direct action. But God can help you change and others respond as you change. I love that. 
I love that. But you're not going to change her. And especially by fussing and arguing, leaving notes and whatever, and putting her down. You are not going to change her. You'll change her for the worse. She'll come back like a wet setting hen. Change. Let me say that again. Listen, principle, listen to this. You want her to change? You want him to change? I can change no one through direct action. God helps me to change. Work on yourself. And then others respond as I change. It's the only change. I want to work on my own self. I'm not blaming her. I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming someone else. As Jake Hess used to sing, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And... uh, I need to close. We're faced with inability or suffering from an inferiority complex. Let me say that again. Listen, I'm closing. We're faced with inability or suffering from an inferiority complex. Someone said you don't have an inferiority complex. You just are inferior. (laughs) That's not true. That's not true. Get rid of that. I suffered with that. We cover up that inferiority. We cover up that complex with an argument. Father, we love you today. Lord, I I cannot thank you enough for these powerful principles. And help us, dear God, to plan to If the rapture don't take place, we can to be back next Sunday to hear how we can deal with these problems that are so prevalent today. Lord, our hearts hurt to see the divorce rate, to see it skyrocket, to see it 50% of marriages today. Lord, more than that, to see it 50% in the, in the church, among Christians and believers. God, I pray that you would help us to, to, to look seriously at, at these concerns and these areas where we need to improve and give us strength and ability to do that. I pray for every marriage, every home, in this place today. I pray for brothers and sisters that aren't married and yet they're having problems with with a relative, a friend, a brother or sister. And Lord, some of these same principles that's prevalent in, in their relationship with someone else. God, I pray for healing. And especially we come against the enemy, Satan. That is, he's come for no other reason but to kill to steal, to kill, and destroy. God, we pray against the enemy that would divide and separate. And we pray that the oil of the Holy Spirit would be poured on every home, every family. Lord, spiritually speaking, we place it over every doorpost, every home. And we believe, dear God, that you will heal. God, these these powerful, powerful truths 
revealed to us in Proverbs. Help us to understand self-control. Help us to understand self-righteousness and and, and, and self-satisfaction. Help us to understand that we need to be a servant. And Lord, we purpose today to be a servant to our wife. We choose today to forgive. Lord, so much has happened in the past. So many words have been said. So many actions. But God, we choose this morning to say forgive us and we choose to forgive our mate. (laughs) Oh God. Oh God. Give us the strength and the fortitude and the power to lay these things aside. God, we believe it today that there will be peace and harmony and tranquility in the home. We pray over every home today. We pray pray over every individual today. In Jesus' name, stand with us as we sing this song. Please.